When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. It's Stangy Law Firm. We represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri. RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. This episode of Mission Log is brought to you by people like you. Patrons through Patreon. If you'd like to add your support, head on over to patreon.com slash mission log. Mission Log, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Episode 328, Through the Looking Glass. to another episode of Mission Log, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. I'm John Champion. And I'm Ken Ray. Each week on Mission Log, we watch an episode of Star Trek. Then we talk about that episode of Star Trek, picking it apart for messages, morals, meanings, all kinds of fun stuff, and seeing whether it stands up today. This week, you and we and DS9 are going through the looking glass. In honor of revisiting the Mirror Universe, John, I've, uh... I've shaved my goatee for this episode. It's cool, though, because uh, I'm just going to put it back on when we're done. Uh, that's, um, that's, that's not how goatees work, Ken. Oh, isn't it, John? Isn't it? No. I've got trivia coming up in a moment, but first. But first, I'm going to let you know how to get in touch with us. Mission Log Pod is the address to find us on Facebook, Skype, and Twitter. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail... We would love to hear your voice. 323-522-5641 is the phone number to call. 323-522-5641. Our email address is missionlog at roddenberry.com. Our show website, including discovered documents, is at missionlogpodcast.com. And please do remember, we may use your comments on an upcoming episode of Mission Log. Uh, Scott Frakes all over the place in this episode, John, because, you know, he is a man of a thousand faces and lots of people have at least two faces in this episode. And uh, yeah, OK, so really, Scott Frakes isn't here, but I would imagine there's still trivia to be had. There is still we could mention Scott Russ. We we could mention uh, so many. <laughs> Scott uh, Meany, I think. Is uh, one. Scott yeah. Meany. He's yeah. great. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, trivia for Through the Looking Glass. The episode was written by Iris Stephen Bear and Robert Hewitt Wolf. Uh, really, the pitch and the initial idea were Robert's, and it was Ira who helped raise the stakes for Cisco by putting Jennifer in the mix. The episode was directed by Vienrich Colby. Now, there's another familiar name, of course. Uh, Rick directed TNG since season two and even directed its finale. We're in the middle of the 13-episode uh, run that he helmed for DS9, the most recent of which that we discussed was Blood Oath in Season 2. Now, usually, Ken, if we do a thing about the title of a show, we do it at the end. But here, it, it's kind of worth reminding everyone that Through the Looking Glass and What Alice Found There was the follow-up book to Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, 
Those, of course, were by English author Charles Lutwidge Dodgson, aha, aha, better known by the pen name Lewis Carroll. Now, Alice came out in 1865, while Looking Glass came out in 1871. And in DS9, the episode crossover ends with Kira saying that they had been through the Looking Glass. Also interesting to point out here uh, is that after the original series, production order and air date order mostly stay the same with a few exceptions. This is one of those exceptions. Uh, Improbable Cause was the next episode shot after Distant Voices, and it was late in the process that it turned into a two-parter with the Dias cast. So those two stayed together while the air date for Looking Glass was moved up. Let's talk about those guest stars. Tuvok! Who? That's right. Tuvok! We have... Gesundheit. What is it? What is a Tuvok? I don't even... I, I know. So, see, here's the thing. You stick around. There's a thing. There's a ship, and it's way far away. Uh, but it's, yeah, he's a Vulcan, and he's great. That's right. We got Tim Russ coming all the way from Voyager. Uh, that was a request put in by Rick Berman. And why not? In a Mirror Universe episode, characters can be moved around. This is not Tim's first visit to DS9, though. You may recall that he was on as the Klingon Takar in the Season 2 episode, Invasive Procedures. That, of course, not to mention his other appearances, like in TNG and in some of the features. Now, there are a couple of stunt performers worth pointing out. You may recall that we just talked about Dennis Madelone and his long association with Star Trek. Well, here he plays one of the rebels easily recognizable by his damaged right eye, the same unnamed character that he played in Crossover. In fact, Dennis was the one who mentioned to the director that he should be there for the sake of consistency. We also have stunt performer John Patrick Hayden. Uh, in this, he is the Cardassian that Smiley O'Brien decks in the Ore Processing Center. Finally, we welcome back Felicia Bell, who played Jennifer in the DS9 pilot Emissary. Uh, mostly, she is an actor on soap operas, uh, but it's fun to point out that this mirror version is the third version of Jennifer that we've seen in only two episodes of DS9. So there's the real Jennifer, then there's the Jennifer as expressed by the prophets in the wormhole, and now we have the Terran scientist Jennifer, and we will see Felicia on DS9 just one more time. very merry and birthday to you. I do not know how things go where you are from. However, here, they are opposite. Except for the things that are not. Prologue. Just normal, end-of-the-day DS9 stuff. Odo caught Quark and Morn setting up what is probably a ring of Cardassian Volfites. Uh, then Cisco, on his way out of ops, is stopped by Chief O'Brien, who wants to have a word with him in private. This is different, though. The chief pulls out a weapon, points it at the commander, and then orders a transporter to beam them to some ship somewhere that the chief can only describe as through the looking glass. 
Act one. In short order, Cisco overpowers O'Brien and demands to know what's going on. Welcome to the mirror universe. You know, the one where your Kira and Bashir showed up and then started changing things. Well, in the years since we were last here, the Klingon Cardassian alliance is really strong. But because of the people from your universe, the Terrans are now fighting back. Problem is, the Alliance have a Terran scientist working on a transspectral sensor array that will allow the Alliance to find and kill all the Terrans. The Mirror Cisco is killed, but this O'Brien has a cunning plan. Use this Cisco to convince the Terran scientist to join them, and it should be super easy because the scientist is Jennifer Cisco. That gives our Benjamin Cisco pause. She was his wife, too, at least the version that he knew. This one will be different, but maybe he can convince her, even though they didn't get along too well, according to O'Brien. On DS9, excuse me, Tarek Noor, Intendant Kira is doing her thing. She's visited by Jennifer Sisko, who doesn't have a solid completion date for the sensor array, but Kira is offering up a bit of news to motivate her. Benjamin Sisko is dead. Jennifer puts on a brave face, says she doesn't even care because she hasn't seen him in five years. But while we're on the subject, she would really like to see all the killing end. Kira says, sure, of course, they all do. The sensor array will really help in that regard. And then Kira can put in a good word with the Alliance to not be so harsh toward the Terrans. Cool? Yeah. Mirror O'Brien, I mean Smiley, gives Sisko a little more of the lowdown on what he needs to know before they beam down to the Terran secret hideout. There's the mirror versions of Bashir, Rom, and hey, it's Tuvok being pretty much a, a, a logical Vulcan guy. Bashir is trying to get super brash with a plan to attack Tarek Nor when Smiley and the new Sisko shows up, shocking everyone who thought he was dead. He plays it off like it was an Alliance tall tale. Then there's Mira Jadzia Dax, and she's, uh, friendly. Gives Sisko a kiss, then a slap for making her think he was dead. Smiley reminds this Sisko that Dax is his mistress. Act 2. Jadzia is getting reacquainted with Sisko, intimately. And while that's happening, another kind of dressing down is occurring on Tarek Noor, where Kira is bashing Garrick for the work not happening under his watch. She's got a plan, though. Execute some random Terrans from the Ore Processing Center. That'll surely boost the morale of the other slaves. Garrick notices she's got something else on her mind, though. Maybe her mood has been affected by the death of Benjamin Sisko. She denies it, but... Well, back with our Cisco, and definitely not our Dax. They're talking business, which leads to more strategizing with the group, which leads to Bashir totally bashing Cisco's plan of turning Jennifer, which leads to Cisco bashing Julian in the face. It's a mirror universe thing. Smiley tells Cisco that's what his counterpart would have done to earn respect and maintain order, it kind of, sort of works. Bashir and the others are all for just killing Jennifer, but at least Sisko and Smiley are being heard. 
If they can capture and turn her allegiance instead, she could be a very valuable ally. Just think of what she must know about Alliance plans and weapons, for starters. So they'll work on a plan. Back on Tarek Noor, there's somebody to see Kira. It's Rom, and he's got some interesting news for her. Cisco is alive. Act 3. On their way to Tarek Noor, Smiley briefs Cisco a little more on the Jennifer he's about to meet. Privileged, her family cooperated with the Alliance. They don't have much time, though, before they're captured by Alliance vessels and taken to, well, right where they need to be, Tarek Noor. Cisco plays it just right, gives Kira a big kiss, but she's still saying she'll have to execute him sooner or later. And Smiley, the tinkerer. In her quarters, Kira toys with Cisco a little more. She says she may just keep him alive since it infuriates Garrick. She'll want his loyalty in return, though, and she doesn't know how she'll get it. So it comes down to whether she'll dispose of him sooner or later. Eventually, Jennifer is brought to Cisco, and it's a chilly reunion. The Ben she knows was an insensitive, self-absorbed jerk. In her estimation, he made it worse for the Terrans by stirring things up with the Alliance. She says she hopes with his capture it'll put an end to some of the hostility. But Ben has a surprise for her. He's here to rescue her. Act 4. Jennifer pretty much thinks that's a joke. She's doing her part for peace, see? If she just finishes this one project, it'll force the rebels to stop fighting the Alliance. No. Cisco says the Alliance isn't interested in peace. They want to wipe out the rebels, and this sensor array will allow them to do it. She has to trust him and leave Tarek Noor. Now it's personal, though. She has no more trust in the Ben Cisco she knew, and this Ben tells her he wishes things had been different. The reality now is that she may think she's better off, but she's being used by the Alliance, just like those slaves processing ore. She's thinking about it, and Cisco sends a message to Smiley through a subdermal communicator. He slips away from doing ore things, while Cisco slips away by overpowering the two Klingon guards watching the room he's in. Looks like Jennifer is in it now, though she says she still hates Ben. Smiley starts tinkering with an access panel to disable security when he's interrupted by a Cardassian guard. Fortunately, when Smiley knocks him out, it's an opportunity for the rest of the slaves in there to make a break for it. Smiley's band of escapees meet up with Ben and Jennifer on their way to the airlock for their ship, evading Alliance firefight the whole way. When they get to the airlock, though, a sign, well, uh, more like a sword, impaling one dead Ferengi on the door. Act 5. Ben, Smiley, and the others are cornered by Kira, Garrick, and their Alliance soldiers. They figured the whole thing out since Rom was easy to interrogate, with pressure. Clever, sending someone like him to set the whole plan in motion. But now it's over. With nowhere to go, the trapped rebels start to talk about a compromise until Sisko asks Smiley where the ore processing level is. Not far, and with that, they're gone. 
Kira, Garrick, and their band chase the rebels down to the ore plant, delayed a little bit by all the shooting, and Smiley getting the door blocked just in time. When they finally do muscle their way in, the scene is a little less tense, less volatile than you might expect. There are the rebels, just standing around quietly, while Kira threatens to kill everyone in there except Jennifer. Sisko tells Kira she might want to reconsider. He began a self-destruct sequence on Tarek Noor for nine minutes from now. She laughs it off until he rattles off the access code, which just happens to be the same in his universe. Then she stops laughing it off when she realizes that not only is he telling the truth, but that he changed the passcode while he was at it. So she has no choice. Let them go, or the station and everyone in it dies. Back at the Rebels' hideout, Benjamin says his goodbye to Jennifer. He has some story about going to visit the Romulans, but she knows that's not really true. She also knows he's not really the Ben Sisko that she knew. That one is dead. And whoever this one is, well, he's a pretty good guy. And she hopes she'll see him again someday. The end. Shouldn't the access code have been backwards? Oh, I, that would have been perfect, right? Because <laughs> they're in the mirror universe. I would think it would yeah. be, you know, it would be backwards. Sure, it can be the same, but it'd be a little bit different, you know. It's, it, it's not Bizarro World. Right. Um, but, yeah, but it, it should have been something different. Look, I, I just thought, okay, if you were Mirror You, would you have the same password? I don't know. I'd have to ask Mirror Me, wouldn't I? <laughs> I guess I guess you would. I just think, like, even in this universe, the only universe that I know that I'm a part of, as far as I know, um, I have many passwords. I have to have an app to keep track of them. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe Mirror Me is still using the same password from, like, AOL 1991. I don't know. <laughs> It's possible. It yeah. I yeah, I just I think it would be backwards or something like that. No 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 no. It's always it's always numbers first, then letters. Right. You know, or something. So, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Because we do things different around these parts in this uh, mirrory way that we have. <laughs> hey, so it's funny, you were genuinely uh trying to remember the name of this episode <laughs> as we're recording this episode. Yeah. Right. Did I okay, did I ever tell you about movie club in New York? Uh, but, no. Okay, so when I lived in New York, when I was going to school there and working there for a while, uh, a friend of mine told me about this movie club, and it was a big secret then, um, but if you could figure it out, Friday nights at about 10 o'clock-ish, uh, you would meet at the Howard Johnson's at Times Square. Okay. And then, and then you'd go see whatever bad movie was playing at midnight at the closest bad theater in Times Square. And it, and it was always, it, it was like, you know, Problem Child 2 or, it, you know, just something terrible, right? Right. And uh, this whole thing, it was Penn Jillette, uh, as in Penn and Teller, and some of his magician friends and just other people who knew about it. And you would just go... And it was an informal thing. But anyway, I'm telling you this story because there were rules when you would watch a movie. Like when there was uh, a cityscape on screen, no matter what it was, everybody in movie club would say Chicago. <laughs> and, that, and, and one of the other rules was that when somebody in the movie spoke the title of the movie, mm -hmm. you gave a polite golf clap. Oh, nice. So, yeah. So early in this episode, in the teaser, when Smiley says 
you're through the looking glass. I, I just in, reflexively, I gave a polite golf clap. That's nice. This one. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the guys on Mystery Science Theater 3000 do that as well. Oh, they do. They do. They, they give a, they, a they, little they, clap. Don't do the, they don't do the golf clap. They act, they're actually more like a barrier applause. Like, yeah, he's had the title, you know, and then and they oh, clap. That's or, good. or we have a title. We have a title. That's because <laughs> Peter, Peter Griffin also does that on The Family Guy. Uh, he'll he'll just mm-hmm. like like laugh and yell in the middle of whatever. He's had the title. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Uh, one of the other rules, by the way, uh, and this is a, a little more clever one, if somebody in the show or the, the movie, in this case, that you're watching, says the title of another movie, oh. you just go, yeah, you just go, nice. <laughs> <laughs> now, can they be talking about, because this is a much more fun game than the one we're playing currently. <laughs> Are they, can they be talking about another movie? Like if they say like, oh, I went and saw Gone with the Wind the other day. Like, oh, sure. Okay. Oh, yeah. So you yeah. say nice there or would it be like, oh, yeah, no, these, uh, all of these things are Gone with the Wind. Is that, is yeah. that like, oh, no. Yeah. Is that like an extra I, I mean, point? I, yeah, I think either of those is acceptable. All right. Um, All right. Whether or not you get extra points. Sure. Yeah. Get Penn Jillette on the phone. <laughs> right. <laughs> Hey, um, could Mira O'Brien have simply shown up and asked Cisco? It's like, we're used to the idea of two O'Briens anyway. Yes. Right. So that, that's just the thing that happens. Um, and, and did nobody detect him from beaming on board? Like, uh, oh, oh, and and also come to think of it, Odo and Quark, like you have that split second where O'Brien shows up and he says, hey, I'd like to talk to you in private. And then, boom, the weapon comes out. But that's just uh, that's as Odo and Quark are leaving. But they've got stairs to go up. They have a turbo lift to get into. I, I would see, you know, Odo could have just turned around and oozed into something to uh, disarm or disable uh, Mirror O'Brien. It sounds like you. Uh, I'm sorry. Something about what you just said. I was like, like could have oozed into something more comfortable to disarm and disable. You know, it's like wow. I'm 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 not liking any of the feelings I'm having right this second. No, yeah, I, I would, some some people find Odo very disarming. Well, yeah. So here's the thing. I was actually thinking the whole time just what a horribly defensive place or horribly defended place. Excuse me. Deep Space Nine is. Yes. I mean, Ops has a big open floor plan. There are so many angles from which anybody could have shot Smiley. Right. Um, yeah. I also couldn't figure out why Cisco would go with him. He wouldn't, by the way. Uh-huh. And uh, why would everybody just let him beam out taking Cisco at the point of a phaser? They wouldn't, by the way. Even if Cisco says, you know, I know, stand down, everybody. And then O'Brien's just like, well, that was easy. And so then he just yeah. turns around and starts working on the computer, kind of holding the gun up, but not really keeping an eye on anything. Right. Any number of people could have stunned him any number of times. Of course, then we wouldn't have an episode, but. Well, yeah, yeah. That, 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 of course, is assuming you have your primary cast. But I love that shot from the transporter pad. And I'm looking at everybody in ops. Mm-hmm. And it, it's all the uh, no line extras who are there who really just don't even give a reaction. Don't even give like a like a, a lunge or a panel or yeah. a, a hands up or anything. Yeah. Is it my imagination, by the way, or are there actually more Federation people on night crew? <laughs> than there are yeah. any other time on Deep Space Nine. Oh, that that's, man. I mean, first of all, you get assigned to DS9, you know that you, you made a, a bad career choice, and then you get Night Crew on DS9. You just you did something wrong. Well, yeah. although that does sound like, uh, you know, CBS is like cranking out a new, ep- uh, a new series every five minutes. Yeah. Yeah, Night Crew, I mean, should absolutely be a show, I think. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Um, so, so they're in the uh, shuttle, right, or whatever. They're in mm-hmm. they're in Miles' ship. They're in Smiley's ship, and he's like, uh, "Yeah, you, you're gonna go get this person." 
And Cisco says, Jennifer. And O'Brien says, you know her? And I wanted Cisco to be like, you're really not, you're really not getting how this whole mirror universe thing works, are you? Because we all know each other. Nobody goes anywhere. I mean, except for that weird Vulcan that I'm going to meet in a few minutes that I've never seen before. Yeah. Right. It's but otherwise, right. yeah, I mean, I know I know your dog's name, dude. I know everything like about yeah, you. Yeah. And uh, and yes, uh, my friends were my friends, you know, from the time I was this tall, no matter which universe I was in. And of mm -hmm. course, I know her. She's, you know, apparently my wife forever. Yeah. And, and fortunately, uh, Smiley has a printed out picture of her that he, he's got in his uh, breast pocket <laughs> on his vest. That's, you know. Yeah. Because if he's surprised that Prime Cisco knows mirror jennifer yeah why mm -hmm. is he carrying that around that, that actually well, should have been maybe, the first question he, that ben asked like hey what are you doing with this <laughs> right well because maybe he could be this like well i didn't know and when i found you maybe you have no idea who jennifer is but like but she's cute oh yeah that's so possible. you know because if you're anything like mirror cisco that's really all you need yeah yeah, exactly. And then uh, he says, well, now she may look like Jennifer, but she's a completely different person, uh, uh, unlike all the other people in this mirror universe. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty much the same as the guy from the prime universe, but, but she's right. going to be completely different, except, of course, it turns out she's not. Yeah. 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 She's pretty much Jennifer. Pretty isn't, much. Isn't she? I mean, we don't know much about Jennifer, but... I mean, Cisco has no problem being in love with this woman. She's just, you know, sort of like on a, on a maybe going in the wrong direction as far as he's concerned. But mm -hmm. I mean, like her whole thing is, well, we need to stop all the killing. And I'm like, what universe are you from? <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, now, uh, speaking of mirror counterparts, so you got mirror Jadzia. And uh, we don't know much about the mirror Dax symbiont, though. Like, I, I was kind of hoping that we'd learn more about the, the symbiont, like, mm. it, like 500 years of just just being an underachiever, just doing nothing, just just going from host to host, looking for a party, you know? <laughs> be fantastic if, like, Jadzia had just shown up with a bag of potato chips everywhere she went. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I can't stop. It's Dax. He just... You don't even yeah. care, do you? No. I don't. No. <laughs> host to host to host. I just don't care. I have to ask, yeah. uh, is that Justine Bateman as Mirror Docs? Oh, yeah. Dude, Justine seriously. Justine Bateman from, yeah, about like 1988. Yeah, yeah. yeah somewhere around there, right? Towards mm -hmm. the end of the family run, run, or family ties run, excuse me. Yeah. Uh, I also did uh, wonder, remember last week when Bashir was telling everybody who they were and what they were in his coma state? Mm-hmm. Yeah, how much do you think Cisco shares with everybody when he gets back? <laughs> Specifically, how much do you think he shares with Dax? Could, yeah, yeah. Funny story, uh, old man. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's it. That's really all you need at that point. Like, oh, yeah. That should have been, okay, that's the freeze frame moment. When, yes. When we come back at the end of this episode, when we rewrite this episode, you, you come back. Ira actually wanted this to be a two-parter because he thought that there was more to explore with uh, Ben and Jennifer. And I, I do not disagree with that. I, I yeah. we'll, we'll come to that in the wrap-up. Uh, but yeah, th there's the comedy freeze frame moment. Hey, welcome back, Ben. Where you been? What you been up to? Funny story, old man. Slap on the back. Freeze frame run credits. <sighs> That That is a secret he's keeping with him forever. I got to figure. <laughs> he's never telling. Uh, and, and really, like, for the next three or four episodes, it, there should at least be, like, one part where Dax is like, you know, you've been weird for, like, a month now. <laughs> yep. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, and, and, but speaking of that whole thing, you take that to the other characters and Bashir could ask Ben, like, hey, so what was I like in the mirror universe? And Ben is like, yeah, I punched you in the face. <laughs> right. <laughs> actually, so it actually occurred to me while we were watching this, um, at like, is Cisco bucking for a section eight? You remember it? Because that was the line from MASH, right? In the movie. But then I think also in like season two or season three of MASH, when he got uh-huh. sent home because he was crazy, um, uh, I think it was yeah. uh, Hawkeye said, yeah. you know, it, well, so it would basically be Cisco saying, you know, if I sleep with Dax and punch Bashir, can I go home too? You know, (laughs) straight out of mash. It's straight out of mash, which is, uh, by the way, a podcast that we're doing in 95 years. Yeah, straight out of mash. I can't wait. Um, Let's talk about branding a little bit uh, for uh, the Mirror Universe, uh, because that's the thing. You know, uh, back in TOS, you got the globe with the dagger through it. And, and, and if, you know, a hundred years or so and here we are on Tarek Noor, man, that Terran patch on Jennifer's uniform and others, huge. That is a huge patch. I got nothing else about it, but it's huge. It's, it's flashy and it's big and it's kind of weird that they wouldn't have like a broken blade or something like that. Cause the whole mm-hmm. thing, I mean, there, there's some stuff that you kind of want to make fun of, but that's actually really kind of an uncomfortable thing. Right. I mean, that's the pink triangle. That's, yeah, the, that's the, yeah. that's the striped, uh, not striped pajamas. That's what they called the movie. But I mean, that's, I mean, there's a lot bad about that, but boy, does it look blingy. I'm like, yeah, I'd wear that. Yeah, you know, right. Because it's not, it doesn't have, it doesn't have quite the um, negative connotation just visually uh, that you would expect it to do. It looks nice. It looks sharp. I want right. one. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, uh, the, there's that moment where uh, Smiley and Cisco and the others, they're running away. They're trying to get to the airlock. And, and Smiley says, oh, the problem is there's 30 more of them behind us. And then Ben says, then we better get to the airlock. And I'm like, guys, have this conversation while you're running. Yes. Just just do it like we stop. We just pause there. I know that moving a camera is expensive compared to locking a camera down, but uh, that that's a thing. Another thing I'd like to point out, Garrick yelling, pursue. I, I like shouty Garrick. You get a lot of shouty Garrick in this episode. You, you do get a lot of shouty Garrick, although that pursue was just weird. It, like, it was. Like he should have actually pulled out a horn after that. And just like, <laughs> totally. Totally. Um now, if they take away Jennifer, is there nobody to finish her work uh, once she's gone? Or, or did she just lock everything down with a password? Um, because she's getting close to the end of her work on the sensor array. They could take her away. And I assume that uh, the klingon Cardassian Alliance, they have other scientists. Right. Well, we're, uh, we're actually only assuming that she's actually doing anything. We're basing mm. that on what other people have said, but we didn't even see, like, we didn't see schematics. We didn't see anything being built. We saw nothing. It'd be kind of funny, actually, if they go to her workroom and it's like, she's been doodling. Yeah. She's, <laughs> right. working on a, she's, she's working on she's a cartoon. Is that, is that supposed to be me? Is that, <laughs> are my neck ridges really that big? Hey, and then the, of course, the tragic end of the story, semi-tragic, you know, and uh, uh, Jennifer says to Ben, will I see you again? And I just think, oh, these are these are two characters. Obviously, Ben has been longing for his wife, Jennifer, and and she has sort of had this renewed interest in this new and better Ben Cisco. But they're they're separated by different universes, uh, and we expect them never to see each other again. And I'm like, but you know what? Come to think of it, going back and forth between parallel universes to exactly the time and place you want to go, pretty easy. So, yeah, I mean, you do your thing here and let me know how it goes 
and I just come back whenever. That that's how the mirror universe is going to work. You know, I am tired of your prime universe centricity. Maybe things are opposite in your universe. Did you ever think of that? I guess every time that we've talked about a, a mirror thing, you know, the the lead and the part that everybody agrees on is, well, it's fun to let the characters breathe a little and be different than 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 who we usually see on screen, and and certainly that's what we get here. Like some characters are very much like their regular universe counterpart, and some they, they just crank up to eleven. You know, mm-hmm. they, they get to let them be very different. We we get uh, we get shouty. Angry Garrick instead of just kind of cool, mysterious Garrick. Uh, you get um, you get well, Tuvok's just Tuvok, uh, <laughs> you know. And then you get uh, Bashir, who you want to punch in the face. Not going to say which universe, Bashir, you want to punch in the face. Um, can we talk a little bit about the sexual content though? Because you, you brought that up, and uh, I, I think about that famous Patrick Stewart directive. Uh, from TNG that Captain Picard needed more to do. And and that became what was behind the scenes referred to as, quote, sex and shooting. <laughs> we just, you hmm. know, we need more action in the show. We need more action for Picard. We we need sex and shooting. Um, and and the, it was half serious, half kidding. The idea is, yeah, we, we want to give Picard more action. So how, how are we going to choose? What are we going to have him do? And DS9, by comparison, is a more serious and arguably more adult show. And I like that they don't mind turning things up a bit. And I wonder if since it's all mirror universe, though, does it really have any meaning or resonance once we've gone there? You know, so let, let's look at in this case, we have to look at Kira and Jadzia. So Kira gets fooled by Cisco, so that's all right. You know, she already had this relationship with the other Cisco, such as it was. And in this case, it'll just make her angrier, and she doesn't really care what happens or what she does, or who she does in this case, if it's in the pursuit of maintaining her power. So that's just kind of the the, the sexed-up Kira version, the ruthless Kira that we get in uh, in the Mirror Universe. So playing very much the opposite of, of who we have in the regular universe. Now, Jadzia, Jadzia is interesting because Jadzia is a very wise and experienced character in the regular universe. But what we've done in the Mirror Universe is, is taken her coolness and her wisdom and just sort of turned it in a way to make this character someone who really owns her sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's fun to play with that in this episode. And yes, I do think that our Cisco slept with both of them. Um, there, there is probably a way you can interpret this and say, well, you know, she, she's, uh, Jadzi is just sort of laying on the bed. And when we come back from commercial, they're just talking about strategy. So maybe things didn't happen there, but look, they, they, they did. Okay. I, I think they left it TV safe, but yeah, yeah. I think, I think, yeah. I think they did. Um, it's weird that they both have all of their clothes back on again. I mean, they kept it really TV safe, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I wasn't sure about Kira though. I wasn't sure there was even time for that, honestly. 
See, I, I honestly thought that with Kira, because we had already established that in the last episode, that they had this sort of sexual tension, this this prior relationship, mm-hmm. that it was just sort of a given. Okay. And and here's Cisco going undercover <laughs> um, to you know maintain uh, maintain the cover of who he is. So he's got to uh, throw himself into his work uh, as if he were James Bond. In this case, you know, you got to figure, though, that mirror universe Cisco is going to have a lot of scars that Cisco won't have. Cisco has the the mental scars. Prime Cisco has mental scars. Mm-hmm. Uh, mirror uh, Cisco, I would imagine, has both mental scars and physical scars that somebody may ask a question about. Oh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> you, you maybe, yeah, maybe they uh, I, I, maybe that was part of the, the deep cover, though. Maybe they got him to the rebel base and they were like, here, we can do cool stuff with our advanced 24th century medical technology. We'll throw a little little scar here. and a well, little, uh, It would have to confuse Dax as well, though. Because Dax doesn't uh, know yeah. that that's not Cisco. Doesn't yeah. know that that's not her Cisco, actually. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's true. That's true. So, yeah, I mean, look, you, we joked about it in the last uh, segment. What, what is this like when Cisco goes back home to mm-hmm. his universe and he's he's working with Kira and he's he's working with Dax. And he, of course, he, he punched out Bashir, but whatever. Um, yeah. d- does this ever come up? Like, I know that this is an impossible situation for you and I and the one and only universe that we live in to actually wrap our heads around. Right, but th- this is just, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't. I, Cisco's got to walk around with this knowledge now that he's he's gone there. Yeah, I mean, well, here's the thing, though: the mirror universe is only a thing that exists in the episodes when the mirror universe exists, right? I mean, yeah. so far, like that one episode happened, and we, of course, knew that it was going to come again. Especially because once you start that, you just you, you apparently can't stop yourself. But yeah. um, I mean, this is I, next week. Cisco is going to be fine. I mean, I, I did joke about you know, Dax should actually be like, why have you been so weird lately? <laughs> right. Why is that? But I mean, that's not going to happen. So, I mean, yes, if this whole thing were real, even in the whatever. I mean, it's yeah. yes. I mean, it's it's it's. Way ramped up even from the boy did we get drunk last night. Sure. Because yeah. he's not drunk and he knows exactly what's going on. And he does know that he's going to have to go back to work and, you know, see the the, the real job. See, here's the other thing, though. How is he doing that? Forgive me. And, and mm-hmm. th- we shouldn't even be talking about this, but there's precious but little to talk fascinating. about. Fascinating. Okay, right. <laughs> so, so how is he not thinking about Curzon? Or is he thinking about Curzon, and is that okay? I mean, no. I mean, it's, I mean, no. how how the heck is that working? I yeah. guess is the question that I have because he seriously does call Dax old man, yeah, all the time, right? Right, and uh, yeah, that's got to be kind of weird. Although, yeah, you know, <laughs> he probably knows things <clears throat> about yeah. Dax, you know, because they were a couple of guys going, yeah, so she did this thing, you know, right? And mm-hmm. now Cisco's like, hey, wow, he's doing that thing. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's just so much about it. It's just, this is weird. And yeah, I don't, yeah, it, it's, yeah, I don't, I don't know how I feel honestly about him playing into it. I mean, it seems like that. I mean, that honestly seems dishonorable because he knows yeah. that he's not who she thinks he is. And yet he's going to, mm-hmm. 
weirdly take advantage, which honestly I hadn't even thought about until you were just like, no, let's talk about, let's talk about that because yeah. I was really, I was just like, yeah, let's, or, or not. But that's like, that's like false pretense to the nth degree. Right. And, and again, here's the thing. It's like, oh, sure, it's a mirror universe, so it doesn't count. But it's still our Cisco, and it's still our Cisco doing something that is, as you phrased it, dishonorable. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's nothing wrong. Look, if he wants to pursue a relationship with Dax, I mean, go for it. You know, sure. Prime universe, mirror universe, wherever. Whatever. But, but cards on the table. You know, like, by the way, because, I mean, it's like it's that whole she thinks he is someone else. Yeah. And so, yes, you can have the whole, like, again, I guess, wish fulfillment kind of thing. Like, oh, well, I'm going to go along with it so that, you know, so I don't blow my cover. But right. but you could also just be like, yeah, I feel sick. Or you can be like, yeah, you know, I've been thinking and no. I mean, any number of things could happen. But I mean, you at the same time, both you and I were like, wow, but that scene. Mm-hmm. So I get why mm-hmm. the writers would do it. Um, but yeah today I don't know that they would. And here's the thing. So you get away with it in the mirror universe uh, because of course there's a, an infinite number of mirror universes. We'll never be at this way. Oh, wait, in Star Trek, there's one mirror universe. There's one mirror universe. Well, except, 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 except in parallels. Where oh, there, yeah. Where like yeah, 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 yeah. Billion of them, right? Yeah. Where just one little thing has changed. Yeah. So it was a couple of weeks ago in Visionary that I uh, had a different question because I want to go to there was Mm -hmm. one thing that was like really serious in this episode, although Mm -hmm. now I'm beginning to think that what happened between Cisco and Mirror Dax is also serious, but in a different way. But there was one really serious thing I wanted to bring up in this episode, and it's what the heck is going on with um, Jennifer, uh, Terran Jennifer or, or Mirror Universe Jennifer. Uh, What I wondered about a couple of weeks ago in Visionary was um, whether us doing a deal with the Romulans was worth it since the Romulans are, you know, kind of the opposite of good mm-hmm. in their official dealings. And yeah, I know we need that thing, but do we need that thing as much? I mean, is the thing worth being beholden now to a bad person, right? Or a bad group of people. There were a number right. of people when we did, I can't remember the name of the episode, surprise, but uh, the one where Q gave Riker powers oh sure yeah and yeah. i was like take him absolutely take him everybody's like but then he would oq and i don't think he does mm-hmm. i don't think he does oq at that point because q knows what he's giving Riker. Riker knows what he's willing to do he's got the power of q at that point great hey thank you very much q what do what blow up a planet no you go blow up a planet you've got the power of q Riker doesn't oq anything at that point Um, the Federation owes the Romulan something because it's, I mean, because of power structures, because of politics, you know, because of all that. Um, I don't think they should have made that deal. But I mean, what I find myself wondering now is, is now Mirror Jennifer is, is working with, uh, is working with the intendant. And for some reason, it reminded me of the whole thing of us working with the Romulans. I mean, her, her, her idea here seems to be kind of muddled. And I didn't know if it was about appeasement or, or what it was exactly. Um, there was an uncomfortable moment where uh, Cisco brought up to Jennifer uh, about being a slave. Yeah. And then he actually says, you're worse than a slave. And honestly, I thought he was going to go to a sort of uncomfortable place, uh, different uh, layers of slavery, I suppose. 
because she's mm-hmm. you know on Tarek Noor, not down in the ore processing facility. She's invited to dine uh, near uh, the intendant, certainly, if not with the intendant. Um, and she's also working on a thing that's going to get people uh, that she cares about uh, killed, hopefully in the hopes of having more people saved. I mean, it seems ridiculously naive and also just like like wrongheaded top to bottom. I yeah. don't think I actually made a point there. There's just so much about about her uh, that's muddled. And I was I was wondering if you might actually be able to make any sense of it at all. No, because I well, I wondered the same thing, to be quite honest. Um, and, and I wondered about her motivation. I mean, at the end of the day, does it really matter? Because we were talking about this one slice out of this mirror universe with this character who we don't get to know particularly well. But I, I asked myself a few times, you know, first of all, is there the possibility that she is right? Is there the possibility that by completing this project, that it is the one last thing that needs to be done, and then the fighting will stop. Now, it stops for the wrong reasons, because it means that X number of rebels have been wiped out, and there is no possibility that more rebels could fight back. Mm. Um, I wondered if this was sort of like an abusive relationship where she has to do what she does and justifies it to herself because she is so wrapped up and so manipulated by this power structure in place above her that that has, yes, enslaved her, but in a in a nicer way Mm -hmm. than the people who are in the ore processing center um, that that she doesn't know any better. Like she can't wrap her head around, uh, around another alternative. Um, so yeah, I, I, I wondered either of these possibilities, uh, or I wondered if she was just willfully ignorant, you know, was she trying to justify to herself, even if she knew better that, uh, okay, what, what I'm doing might be bad, but it's not that bad. It's not as bad as somebody else who's on the ground shooting other people, you know, uh, uh, or do we look at it this way of just given an impossible moral choice, an impossible moral situation, kind of like the trolley problem that we've talked about before, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're standing at the, at the switch of a, of a train or a trolley and you can, by your action, pull the switch one way and make the trolley hit one person or by your inaction, allow the switch to stay in place and the trolley hits, you know, other people. Mm -hmm. But we're going to change it up and say the one person that you do know is your friend, your relative, your mother, your father, and the five people or 12 people who would be hit through your inaction. uh, Those are people you don't know. See, this is, I mean, it's similar to, um, we've actually talked about this before with Kyle Paca. Because Kai mm-hmm. Opaka, that's that's the whole uh, the whole way that um, um, Kai Win became Kai, right? Because mm-hmm. Kai Opaka knew that there were these rebels, and one of the rebels was her son. But she went ahead and allowed uh, he uh, basically ratted on them where they were, so that uh, just the rebels would die, so that everybody else could live. Except they were living like a horribly you know terrible existence. Yeah, um, but they all lived. So I mean, maybe Jennifer's not completely wrong. Although I just couldn't help thinking again about. And there are a couple of things that leap to mind. It can be everything as big as the geopolitical thing where it's like, well, you know, just give him just give him Poland. 
<laughs> yeah, <laughs> or, you yeah. know, just, just, just roll over on that part because that's all he wants and then it'll be fine. Right. Or, I mean, again, to use the same terminology or the same idea, there's a part in uh, Schindler's list where uh, people are having to come down from their homes and go into these camps. And they're talking about, yeah, this is really starting to look bad. And, and one of the people who's going to the camps is like, no, 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 they need us. It's going to be fine. I mean, th- mm-hmm. this is not great, but they need us. It's going to be fine. I mean, what Jennifer was doing, I mean, if you follow the Kaiopaka route, then I guess it's possible that more people will live, but they'll you know live in terror. They'll live in the constant you know possibility that uh, the rest of the alliance is going to land on them. And I kind of wish she had come to that on her own. Like, like maybe in part two of this episode, we find out that she was actually working on something that was going to sabotage the whole thing or mess the whole thing up. Yeah. Because the only, the only way that she's able to come to this is, first of all, um, well, if you want to put on a feminist hat for half a second, a man comes in. But also, like, a, a hero has to come in, right? And say, no, 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 don't do it that way. Uh, and you'd like to think that Jennifer was a smart enough person. You know, this character that we've seen twice, as you point out. Um, is a smart enough person and a compassionate enough person that she wouldn't uh, basically <laughs> kill everybody who's trying to help out. With that slightly more sane Cisco having run off someplace, it is time to see how we can keep bringing darkness to the Terrans. Over the Rainbow, John. The uh, episode is called Over the Rainbow. You're so close. Maybe. So I don't close, know. Guys. Yeah. Through the Looking Glass is the name of the episode, actually. And it's, it's the part of the episode where we talk about the messages, morals, and meanings, try to figure out whether the whole thing holds up today. Uh, we won't bother talking about the title because uh, you did that at the top of the show. And thank you very much, sir, for so doing. Let us go instead uh, to the holding up part of the show. Uh, does this episode Through the Looking Glass... Does this episode hold up as far as you're concerned? So I I have a disclaimer right at the start here. Um, I I have to apologize for what is probably my anti-mirror universe bias. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a weird thing. You know, we we talked about, of course, uh, TOS episode Mirror Mirror, and then we hadn't seen the mirror universe uh, uh, this mirror universe until we got to DS9 crossover. But of course, the reality of production is that we also have Star Trek Discovery having spent time in the mirror universe. So, and I feel like maybe with or without uh, Discovery going to the mirror universe, uh, I, I would have felt a little burnout. And if you go back and listen to our episode on crossover, I think I was expressing that burnout then too. Mm-hmm. Um Although we had already watched uh, Discovery. We had already watched Discovery, yeah. Yeah. Uh, But but the important part of all of that discussion and and the thing that really uh, irks me about the Mirror Universe is it it just felt like it was the one tool for the right time, that one moment in TOS, to tell a very specific story that had a very specific moral meaning message at the end. Mm-hmm. And for those of you who maybe have not listened or haven't listened in a while and don't remember it, it's that moment where our universe's Kirk says to the mirror universe Spock, one man can start a revolution. 
after Spock says, one man cannot summon the future. And uh, it's a great way to end that episode. It's a hopeful way to end that episode. And and it says to the the person on the other end, no matter who you are, no matter how insignificant you might feel that you are, you can actually do something. You can actually start to change the situation for yourself or for others, and it's worth a shot to do it. Um, and that was a great message for for that one time in what is otherwise a a fantasy kind of tool to use in the science fiction context. So I feel like it's been overplayed. I feel like it's been overdone. And now the only reason to go back to the universe is because it's fun, mm-hmm. quote unquote fun. Um, now, who is it fun for? Well, I, it, it's fun for the producers and the writers and the actors because they get to write and perform in a way that isn't their usual weekly grind that they always do. So that that's cool. Um, and, and it's fun for us, for the audience, to see those much-beloved characters uh, act in a way that isn't the usual that we get from them week after week. But at the same time, you have to have a point. You, know, you have to have a point when you're telling the story. And and if the point is simply we haven't been there in a while and it would be fun to do an action-adventure show there, well, if that's the only excuse we're relying on each time we do it, that excuse is going to start to wear thin. Um, and, and I feel like what's happening in this particular episode, um, there's not enough there there. Mm-hmm. So it's intriguing that we've got Jennifer back. But here's the thing. In the mirror universe, Jennifer is, well, she's she's pretty great. <laughs> you know, she, she's pretty okay. Um, and there wasn't a whole lot of convincing that Cisco had to do with her. So there's no great speech. There's no great rhetorical back and forth. There's a little bit that we chewed on, but really it's just about trying to determine what her motivation is. Yeah. Um, so what we do get is pretty obvious, which is from this Jennifer, uh, hey, I, I'm a person and I care about people and uh, we should all care about people. So I'm going to try to care in this other way by doing what is right. Uh, all right. I, I expect that out of you, Mirror Jennifer. Um, now, that said, I, I actually love this way of bringing that character back. But here's the problem. I, I wish it were more difficult for Cisco. And I wish that, that there were more personal stakes going on with the two of them. And I wish it were more difficult for her. And when I say difficult for her, I mean that I, I wish we'd actually gotten more deeply into the things that were keeping her there, the motivations that were behind it, and and what she had to do to switch sides. And when I say I wish it were more difficult for Cisco, well, this is a profound thing. This is but the prophet said. To Cisco, you live here. You live with the central trauma of your life, which is losing your wife five years ago at the Battle of Wolf 359. Mm-hmm. I, I, I wish that this were a more profound thing for him. Like he almost can't do this mission because it's her. Um, but it just sort of became the fun cat and mouse where we're getting into this 
spy intrigue thing where we have different Cisco going undercover and he's got to think his way and seduce his way in and out of this parallel universe. And then we've got a Jennifer and they have this kind of heartfelt moment at the very end, but then it's all over before you can really do anything with it. So I look, it goes without saying that this is a well-produced episode that the things that we get just in terms of action, we, we get sex and shooting. We get what Patrick Stewart asked for in TNG. Um, we get to step out of ourselves for a minute and go to this other place. Uh, so that's cool, but it's a concept that's already been played. And if you're going to play it again, you really got to have a reason. You really have to have a point. And I wish if the point were the, if the point was going to be the broken heart of this central character, coupled with the, the difficulty of changing somebody's political mindset and and maybe, like I said before, the, the abusive mindset that they're in uh, because of this, this horrible situation, that would have been a really deep psychological thing to get into. But, but we didn't. We just made this one fun. So to you, our audience, if you like Mirror Universe episodes because they're fun, I hope you got fun out of this one. I'm burnt out by it, though. Um, I, I I wanted more. I wanted so much more out of this. Uh, so I have to take a pass on this one for sure. How about you, Ken? I uh, expected Jennifer to die at the end of it, and I kind of wish she had. And it's not because I don't like the character, but there are no stakes. There are no stakes to anything that's going on. Rom mm-hmm. died in the mirror universe. Okay, well, that's kind of a bummer, especially because he was actually you know still fighting the good fight. Uh, but otherwise everything's just, you know, it's, it's over the top. I mean, through the looking glass, uh, Kira is the red queen or, or the queen of hearts. I mean, she just is like, you know, kill those people. Cause that'll, that'll make everybody do, you know, whatever. It's just, uh, yeah. Um, I will say really quickly, play of the game goes to Armin Shimmerman again, uh, yes. as, as, as tiring as it got saying, uh, that Patrick Stewart was so great in the next generation, uh, except we kept doing it because it wasn't tiring to say it. We were just afraid <laughs> that it was too repetitive. Armin Shimmerman, that that minute at the beginning made me laugh every time I watched it. <laughs> just like the, yeah. the ease with which he's like, oh, yeah, we were doing this thing. Do you think that's what Morn was doing? <laughs> it's brilliant. I mean, it's just it's just so well done. Uh, just everything about that was fantastic. His line, I'm appalled. Yeah. It, was, it, yeah. it was great. It's fantastic. Yes. Um. I'm I'm glad you went first, honestly, because I, I had this whole thing written about how people are going to think that this is me hating Deep Space Nine. Uh, whether whether you choose to believe it or not, I don't hate Deep Space Nine, but I do hate the Mirror Universe at this point. Um, kind of like what you said in TOS, it was fantastic because it was supposed to be what it actually said in the title, a mirror. It was supposed to be us looking at the opposite of ourselves and hopefully choosing a better way to be. Um, hopefully showing, you know, the darkest parts of ourselves that change is possible. And now it's just a chance to play dress up. Um, I'd really like it if we could stop with that. And who knows, maybe over the next 25 to 30 years of Star Trek production, we will. We'll see. (laughs) Um, The Mirror Universe is a gigantic mess. Mirror Cisco, who was Mirror Cisco, um, why, why did Mirror Jennifer marry him? 
because yeah. he's awful. She's great. He's dead now. She's still great. I don't. I don't understand why they were together. And and then you know how does Cisco have the pull to be alone with Jennifer? Right, Cisco, the estranged husband of Jennifer and recent hero of the rebellion, wants to speak to the scientist who's working on a, re- a weapon to destroy the rebellion, and so he gets alone time with her with no guards and no recordings. I mean, it's, twice, it's like, right? It's just it's 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 ludicrous. Yeah. <laughs> so so unfortunately, I I have to say I don't like it as well. And really quickly, uh, Visionary. Visionary was an amazing episode with amazing ideas that they actually explored. Uh, I don't hate Deep Space Nine, but if, if, if somebody said, hey, we're never going to the Mirror Universe again, I would, I, would, I, would, I, would, I would clap that person on the back. I would golf clap them. I'd give them $5, whatever. I mean, yeah. until they yeah. show us something. Because, uh, spoiler, by the way, I know we talked about Discovery a little bit earlier. Uh, I, I felt the same way when we were there with them, too. It's just that one time was absolutely fantastic. And the rest of it is just like, a you know, wouldn't it be neat? Well, it'd be neat for your novel. Yeah. It's not, yeah. you know, it's not because because it's never enough in the TV series to really explore it. Um, yeah. I just don't want to go to the mirror universe anymore. John, please don't make me. I'm sorry. I'm yeah, it's sorry. Okay. What about yeah, messages, it's... though? What about messages? Well, I, I wish I knew uh, because that that is really my complaint about this episode is that I, I don't feel like there's a message. I feel like it's, a, it's an episode constructed for the fun of getting to do something else. And, and it's not, look, it's not bad to just have this plot of intrigue. It, it, Cisco is now in the role of a spy and they have this plan and you try to figure out what the plan is going to be and they have to do an escape. And it's a very um, it's almost like a Star Wars thing in there. Like, I'm here to rescue you, you know. Uh, so yeah, there are moments like that that, that sure, just entertaining. But I, I really feel like nobody was too concerned about having a moral or a message or a meaning here. Yeah. Well, I mean, for you and me, this is eye mud, by the way. Get ready. Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> I would imagine there are going to be more than one email that says, well, why don't you just have fun with it? And then he's like, well, I thought, I thought we weren't. Anyway. Not, look, I, not saying I didn't have fun with it. Not saying that I don't enjoy shows that have intrigue plots and, and just sort of let their hair down a little bit. Uh, but if we're just going to keep doing the same thing over and over again, yeah. like you said, it, it's just playing dress up at that point. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't think this was an intended message, but I did find one in there. Okay. Uh, there's definitely something to be said in this episode for employing strong security measures. You get, get a new house, you change the locks, you get a new piece uh, or, or a new to you piece of electronics, change the password. Employ two-factor authentication if it's offered. And if it's not offered, talk to your admin about having it added. When Cisco set self-destruct, the intendant should have gotten an email or a text message saying, somebody's trying to blow up the station. Uh, please enter this code so that we know it's you. Or at the very least, uh, she should have gotten an email saying, if you set the station to blow up, you can disregard this email. Security is your friend. Mirror universe or this one. Yes. And uh, I think the other uh, the other message is uh, mirror universes are just bad. Mission Log is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Executive producer, Rod Roddenberry. 
You can check out all the shows of the Roddenberry Podcast Network at podcast.roddenberry.com. Over there, you'll find Mission Log and Mission Log Live alongside Women at Warp, Priority One, The Trek Files, your daily Star Trek news, and Shabam. Shabam. If you'd like to support Mission Log directly, you can do so at patreon.com slash mission log. For more Star Trek news and discussion, be sure to visit trekmovie.com. On the next Mission Log... Improbable Cause. Some of the music for Mission Log provided by Warp 11, online at warp11.com, and from the album Messages, by Key Theory, free to download at kitheory.com. Promotional consideration for this show, provided by Tarek Noor, or When You Need the Best, it is Tarek Noor, or, or nothing. You may go now. Podcast.roddenberry.com The Roddenberry Podcast Network.